Hey everyone, it's producer Char. Um, this is probably uh, the the hardest intro I've ever had to do in my whole life, and um, please bear with me as I kind of get through this. And I don't know how it's going to shake out. I don't know how the words are going to come out, but um. I know I have to put this out there and um, I have to say it and it's it's tough because I feel like it's not real and if I say it and I officially announce it on this podcast it's I just don't know um, yeah if you haven't heard yet um, Dana Keys my best friend, my sister, my radio cohort for almost 17 years, and our fearless radio rehab host um, is no longer with us. I'm recording this on Wednesday morning. It was a week ago around this time that I, uh, I got a call from Dana's husband, Bear, that she had passed. Um, there's so much to say, and I don't know if I'm quite there yet to to process and say all the things that I really want to say. I don't know if if I could do her justice. Uh, I'm still pretty numb, you know. I'm, I don't think I've quite processed the, the reality of it. I just want to do right by her and honor her the way that she deserves. Um, I mean, you guys have heard the show. She she was a ball of energy. And uh, I, I always said she's this unicorn of a talent, you know, that she can just make magic out of out of things that I put in front of her. I just, I, I, I tell her what to say and she... She's like, okay, give me a second. And she just thinks about it. And then she just puts out this, it's, it's, it was, it made my, <laughs> it made me being her producer uh, much easier. Uh, I've been talking to her husband Bear a lot and he would always laugh and say, I don't know how you do it, how, how you were able to get her to do anything. And it was just natural for the two of us because because we just had a fun time together. Um yeah, she was easily the the silliest and most hilarious human I knew and and I had fun giving her giving her a hard time about it or giving her shit about it and and her back at me. So, um you know, like over the 17 years that we've known each other, I bet you there's like a hundred and seventy million laughs and, and and funny stories that we shared. Um, she did everything out loud, partly because she was deaf from you know not wearing headphones at Doobie Brothers shows or something, but um, she recovered out loud. She relapsed out loud and. And now in her passing, 
I think her story is uh, screaming to a lot of people that need to hear it. Um, a lot of my process over the last week is talking to to friends of hers or people that um, that we worked with, or and, and I guess maybe you know maybe that's a small silver lining that I looked at is that um, she's forced me to reconnect with people I haven't seen or talked to in at least a couple of years, especially through the pandemic. And um, maybe some people that I don't want to hear from and she's laughing at me because that's her, her parting gift. Um, but you've always heard her. If you, I mean, if you've listened to the show in the past, you've, you, you must've heard her say that if, you know, if there's one person out there that can get help by hearing her story, then everything she went through isn't for nothing. And um, she fought one hell of a battle. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones style, you know, war zone battle. And um, I don't even watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> So I don't, I don't really know what that means, but she did. So I figured she'd like that, that reference. But it really just shows how strong the demons of, of this addiction disease can be. And, um, and yeah, I just hope, and I think it's, I think it's happening that I, People are saying that, yeah, uh, them hearing of her passing made them check themselves in their sobriety and sit up straight and reassess their, their programs. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a small comforting nugget. Um, so this is an intro for uh, Dana's last official interview. Uh, she did it just a couple weeks ago, um, and she did it with none other than a rock and roll legend, so it's very fitting. It's uh, with guitarist Dave Navarro, uh, who was with uh, Jane's Addiction and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Dana was a big fan. She was so excited to talk to him, and and even when it was over, for days afterwards, she was uh, texting me about how much she was still swooning and still off off of the energy and off of of the vibes that she got from this interview. And um, and yeah, it's it, it's also fitting that Dave will be Dana's last official radio rehab conversation because um, he's currently got an art exhibit going on in Texas right now at the West Contemporary Chelsea. And um, it debuted last month at, during South by Southwest. And um, it's an exhibit called Dual Diagnosis. And it's, and it's all about shining a light on mental awareness. I mean, you'll hear them talk about it in, in, in their conversation, but a uh, dual diagnosis it uh seeks to bring new perspectives and a deeper understanding to the experience of mental health through uh, artistic endeavors 
Um, and yeah, it's a great conversation between the two of them. Um, um, you know, they're, they were both recovering, uh, drug addicts and also working through their mental health. And, um, just like I've witnessed firsthand a million times before, uh, you can hear the authentic connection made between the two of them, um, because of, you know, Dana's infectious personality, you know, like her, her unassuming kindness and her honesty, it just draws people in. Um, if you were fortunate enough to ever, you know, come in her presence. So, um, that's what we're going to jump into right now. Um, as for what's going to happen on the future of radio rehab, uh, after a lot of reflection uh, this week, uh, I think that um, I've made the choice to to keep the show going in her honor. Um, we're going to continue the mission, you know, the show's mission to help others by sharing her her story, another story. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the format and how it's going to look like. It could be just me talking to people i've learned enough about you know I'm, as you can hear from these last you know few minutes of me talking uh hosting is not my my forte but um i'll, I'll you know i'll put on my big girl pants and, and and i'll go for it for her and uh she'll probably be there along the way pushing me um, him laughing her ass off at me at the same time. But yeah, we'll, we'll shape that in the next, you know, in the, in the weeks to come. Um, I do plan on doing a special tribute episode to her. Uh, hopefully, uh, that'll maybe come within the next few weeks. Uh, you know, that's also a work in progress, but for now, please listen and soak in this conversation between the late Dana Keys and musician Dave Navarro. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate that. All right. We're going to get, yeah. So I'll, let me get the ticker starting here. Okay. Hey, let me ask you, is this radio or is it video or both? Uh, it's mainly for audio. So okay. uh, like we might so, use something for. But if I smoke, it's not. It's not oh, no, me. no. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got the vape too, but the problem is that when you're doing these things and you hear the. Hey, you sound like Darth Vader. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, if it's cool with you, we might use a little bit of a clip for promo and stuff. But it's sure, uh, sure. I just, I, I just didn't know if you didn't want me encouraging today's youth <laughs> to smoke because it's I, I'm unfortunate. Dana, unfortunately, I do both, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer. I would, I would too, if I wasn't married. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. I used to get Febreze when I walked into the house. It's like, dude, it's not that bad. I couldn't smell it because I always did it. But I have I have seven hundred glades plugged in around the house. <laughs> does it work? Uh, yeah, it does. It seems to. What kind of tank do you use? 
Um, this is called Geek Babe. Oh, I've heard of that. I know somebody who has that. Mine, mine is Vupu, which is yeah. Name, this but. this is really good because I do a lot of art on the streets, and I always right. I always drop them. So if I'm up on a ladder and I drop my vape, and you know that you know the especially Feeling? oh my god, you just like you just like oh, no, and like the glass breaks or something, but somehow this thing survives. 20 foot drops and so that's why i went with that one but what right. strength the question is what strength do you smoke for I'm, on, I'm on 12 milligrams right now wow that's a lot it that's is. a lot <laughs> well I, I i i well since i smoke cigarettes I, I hover between six and three. Oh right well you smoke yeah if you smoke cigarettes too that would be easy but like yeah. I try so hard not to do that. Like one's that much better than the other. I don't know. I did, but I just really try. Right. And also my anxiety can't handle 12. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I, I, what's that? It raises your anxiety. Yeah. Cause I already shake. So the nicotine, the, the, the spike in the nicotine just keeps my heart pumping and just, yeah, it's, it's not a good combination for me. Yeah. I get it. It, and us, what's funny is uh, I'm like you. I'm a former heroin addict. Oh, oh, good for you. So like losing the vape, it's that same feeling of there's my nicotine. I have to get it in me. You know, were you were yeah. you an inter, were you an intravenous user? Yes, I was. Really? Well, I already I like I have to like whenever I get an IV or I get any blood drawn, I have to help the phlebotomist find something. I, I'm like you. You're not going to go. You're yeah. not going to find it. Let me show you. I know because what they think it is is scar tissue and we know that, but they don't. And it's, meanwhile, it's, I'm like, just can't you go in my foot? It's collapsed is what it is. So, yeah, anyway, it's it's, it's nice to hit it off with you on okay. so many on so many different levels. <laughs> Where are you located? I'm in Los Angeles. OK, me too. OK, yeah, um, I grew up here, but I lived in the Bay Area. I lived up in San Francisco for the last. 15 or 17 years, something like that. So. That's, I love it up north. If I had yeah. my way, if I had my way, I would live in the Pacific Northwest because I just love having the ocean right against a forest. Me too. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't have that here. Yeah. It's just, it, that, that to me is, is heaven. That's my retirement plan. Yeah, no, that's great. There's actually um, a con. Well, I mean, they're condos, but whatever. But they have a view in one way is the mountains and the other way is the ocean. That's amazing. It's just it's ridiculous. I know. Just just by the tone of your voice, I can imagine what you sounded like on heroin. You can? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Oh, uh, yeah, it was bad. It was really yeah. bad. Yeah. And I was always like everybody would know, of course. Like I you know the treatments in our cry help. Oh yeah. Like I've so I've dropped off a lot of people there. Yeah, so so I I, I went to try to cry help twice, and like every time I'd be in a meeting, I'm like, they're never gonna know I'm loaded, and I'm like, how do they know? Yeah, and there's something just that my voice does where it's very obvious. Yes, yes, I would imagine it gets about an octave lower and a little bit cracklier. Yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can tell, I can tell. Well, I was so excited about your project because dual diagnosis, for one thing, is something that I am because and I didn't understand, like every time I got clean, I kept going back to the drugs after, you know, like nine months. 
Yeah. They didn't understand that I have mental illness as well. Yes. And yes. that's not something that can be dealt with just specifically in like a 12 step program. No. And, and well, it says in the 12 step program, some of us had to seek outside help. Yeah. And that's, I mean, so they're, they're conscious of it. But uh, when I was, when I was told that I had a dual diagnosis, I was like, that's it. Like <laughs> I, I expected like six. So, um, but, but in, in this, in this project, which is an art project between myself and another artist named Padilla, who goes right. by the name of unfuck yourself, uh, as well, um, when she's working on her own, uh, we spell it D U E L like, a I duel. noticed that like, two, yeah. like, yeah, because it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost metaphoric for the internal battle we have within our brains of of you know the left hemisphere trying to fight the right hemisphere and the struggle that that causes that is part of the mental illnesses that so many of us suffer from or just feeling different just feeling yeah. outside just not feeling like you belong you know so it's it's right. it, it encompasses mental health awareness but it also it's also uh aimed at anybody that kind of feels like they're on the outside and we're we're trying to bring them inside and say, no, you're, you're one of us. You're part of the human collective and, and uh, welcome aboard. I love that. I mean, that's what radio rehab, that's what my, my whole podcast, I started it seven years ago. I've relapsed since then, but the podcast still has seven years. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I got you. I got but the you. whole point was uh, I wanted people to see yeah. like, I'm not okay. Even when I'm sober, I really, I'm I really applaud okay. that because that's uh, that's a testament to um humanity that's a testament to being open and honest and it would also encourage people to speak their truths because as we know our secrets will kill us and one of one of one of the dual diagnosis pieces and uh that i love the most is that is is one that simply says shame has never saved anyone and uh, yeah and as you know when we hold on to our shame and we hold on to our, our insecurities and our fears and we don't speak them and we don't seek help, those are the things that cause us to do, take destructive action. So exactly. I really, I, I love that you speak openly about having this show and having relapse since then and come back and just that you can come back and, uh, yeah. and, and still flourish. Yeah, exactly. It's like what it's what you do with what you're dealing with that, you know, that's what matters. So it's like, yeah. you know, the fact that you're making art. Oh, so I'm a shitty paraphraser. But you said something like you were talking about all the great artists, you know, street artists back in the day, like Basquiat, you know, and you said that there are still artists like that today but they don't have a spotlight shown on them because it's like, it's all been done and they're not, you know, whoever. Right. I know it's the same thing with, with bands who are very talented. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, well, so I mean, I also, I also just think that there's, there's so much of it now. So like when you look back in the days of Al Diaz and Basquiat who made up Samo, and I don't know if you know the story of Samo, but back in, in, in the early days, of, you know, of street art in New York, um, there would be these, these messages all over town. It said, same-o, and then there would be some kind of message that followed. And, and same-o was short for same old thing. And that was Jean-Michel and Al Diaz. 
and um, they were some of the early pioneers of 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 kind of encoded messaging all over, all throughout the city. This was in the era of Keith Haring, of Richard Hamilton, who's another one of my favorites, right? And um, who actually doesn't get enough. I don't think he gets enough visibility or credit or acclaim. The people who know Richard Hamilton are fanatical about him, but right. um, but uh, so but fortunately, in that same breath, Al Diaz is sharing the show with Dual Diagnosis at West Chelsea Contemporary uh, in Austin, Texas, and that show is open until April seventeenth. So the the idea was. First of all, Al is a dear friend of mine and Al's messaging, same-o, and then it'll it'll say something. Um, in fact, I don't have it here, but it, his messaging is very specific. You know what I mean? It's like, here's the idea. Here it is literally in letters that you can read what I'm thinking and what I'm trying to convey. What Dual Diagnosis has done for the West Chelsea Contemporary Show is very abstract. We're focusing on the, the central nervous system and we're focusing on uh, trauma that gets stored within the body in a very abstract way. So to have a show with Al Diaz and dual diagnosis is not only an incredible honor, but we look at it as kind of encompassing both hemispheres of the brain right. because you, ha you have a very specific messaging uh, unique way of, of putting out ideas through Al. And then we have a very abstract interpretive way of, of putting things out. And so that to, to us was like the perfect marriage. It's so because therapy and art together. It is, it, it really is. And um, one of the things that, uh, and it's therapy and it's in a lot, in a lot of ways, <clears throat> it's therapy because it's a tremendous release. And it's a tremendous uh, escape, and it's a tremendous way to uh, express feelings. But it's also very hard, and there's oh, also yeah. very tough. There's also very tough days, and there's also also very traumatic days, and there's also days when things aren't flowing, or or me and Padilla are seeing things differently, and we have to navigate our way through that. So. Um, it has really become somewhat of a framework of how uh, I can expand that into, into how to deal with life in other areas, you know, just to kind of harken back to, well, how did we get through this process? Similar to yoga in the sense that if you hold a difficult pose and breathe through it, you will eventually get through it. And then you take that kind of thinking off the mat and you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation in life and you just remind yourself to breathe through that uncomfortable situation and it will pass. And that so, is so funny. I just started doing yoga and for that exact reason, like not because I want like yoga shoulders, like yeah. I want their reaction. They have this like unfuck with a bowl attitude. Yes. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can't yeah. shake them. I want That's, that. Yeah. I practiced at five o'clock this morning. You practice, you practice every day? I try to. I mean, that's the goal. Awesome. Some days, of course, I can't, but, you know. Right. Um, I, I do. That is, that is where I find my center, my grounding, and especially, you know, especially when I don't want to do it. 
Yeah. Because I'm sure you can identify oh, yeah. with that. Like, it's just like, ah, this again. But then like, once you, once you're in it, you're in it. And then, uh, you know, it's the same kind of process with dual diagnosis. Like, you know, we, we really crunched to get this show together. I think we did, and we ended up doing about 150 pieces of, of work, including in how a, long of a time within about a month and a half. No, with, with in, including a, uh, a small installation and including a huge sculpture that's made out of uh, pieces of wreckage, automobile wreckage that we would find in Los Angeles, which were all moments of trauma and impact. And we built a 12 foot sculpture out of all of these, these different pieces. So I would be driving down the, the street or on the freeway and I would see a fender I'd pull over and pick up the fender, throw it in the back of the truck, and Padilla would be driving down Melrose and find a bumper, and she'd pull over and stick it in the back of her car, and then we welded them all together, and then we kind of took uh, what we found traumatic, scary, life-threatening, maybe even life-ending moments, and put them to get together and arranged them in a way that we found something beautiful in it. So, uh, you know, the idea being that even our most traumatic moments and even our most challenging moments can blossom into something that is beautiful and useful and helpful. Yeah. And it's like they say, you know, in recovery, what they call the wreckage of our past or whatever. That's exactly Very. what that is. It's the wreckage. Of our, well, collectively, it's the wreckage of our it's, past. It's the collective wreckage. And as yeah. you know, when we look at, when we look at the wreckage of our past, that's when we find a, a, happy joyous and free life and so right. that's 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 i guess i guess i didn't think of it that way i appreciate that you picked up on that and that is uh in a sense what we're saying yes awesome i love it um the what right behind you okay it's purple and did you do that yeah oh yeah 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 no that's my friend well i did that that's a collaboration with myself and an artist named meg zaney uh-huh. And then let's see, where's the other one? That one is me. Love it. Look, you, look at the, you would love that in particular because it's the syringe and the spoon. I can't like, do, if I, do I have your permission to turn that into a tattoo? <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of people have gotten a tattoo and I will send you the file. Yes, please do. I would love that. that oh, I would, I'd be honored. For me. I'd be uh, honored. <laughs> and did you do all the queen? And all of that stuff too. No, that's Andy Warhol. Oh, that's actual. Those are li literally Andy Warhol. Those aren't Our literal. Print. That's 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 Andy Warhol wallpaper. Oh, but I'm so jealous. But you should come by someday because there's an extensive Warhol collection here. I would so, love to. You know, yeah. it's funny. I became obsessed with Andy Warhol when I was like 12 years old. So yeah. then I started getting into the Velvet Underground when I was 13. And my parents same. were like, God, you're fucking weird. <laughs> same, same, same. So so Warhol and the factory scene is what led me into the Velvet Underground. And uh, actually, I be I was lucky enough to get to know Lou Reed, um, spent, right. spent time with him, uh, went back to his loft and talked for hours and hours and hours. And I ended up getting to perform with him. And so I actually, in my lifetime, got to perform Venus and Furs with Lou Reed, which is I'm getting, songs. I'm getting I'm getting chills thinking about it. 
I totally, I totally have goosebumps about that. Yeah, I mean, with what, I what? Imagine. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, the song "Heroin" is is on that record, but I can't think of a better junkie song than "Venus and Furs." Yeah, especially because <laughs> it's so long. You don't have to like. It's start long, it over again. And, and there's a drone to it. Yeah. It just kind of just drones, and that's what you want from your high and. And, right. I, and I can still tap into that, not using with that song, you know what I mean? So and actually, I actually covered that song on my solo record in 2000. So that's that's how that happened. I became friends with Lou because he liked the cover. And um, awesome. and then I ended up having dinner with him in Little Italy. And we you know, and he was a very tough, as you know, a very oh, yeah. tough, rigid guy. Right. And um and I don't, I can, I know we're getting off topic. I just want to make sure that everybody knows <laughs> the, um, the dual diagnosis art show is at West Chelsea Contemporary, Austin, Texas. It closes uh, April 17th. So it's up for several weeks. And we're but, definitely going to put that in our show notes okay, and all okay. that. And then, and, but, and also, but I do want to hear the rest of the Lou Reed story, but also once it closes at Chelsea and Austin, then where is it? That that is a good question. I mean, it's not a traveling show. We put this together and curated it for this gallery. And this gallery is among one of the greatest galleries in the world. And they've handled every one of my heroes, every every artist that I've ever admired, Andy Warhol to be one of them. Uh, you know, they show a lot of Richard Hamilton, people like that. Um, so to be in that gallery with Al Diaz, who is my mentor in the street art world and also um you know started with basquiat in 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 the new york art scene uh yeah i i still can't believe that it's that it's real you know what i mean that like yeah. we get to show there so that's an incredible honor it's so your like, band that you grew up listening to all of a sudden oh well yeah yeah it's part it's, of this now yeah yeah it's very very strange um <clears throat> But the Lou Reed story is, are you familiar with his, his uh, solo work, like Berlin? Yeah, I will. And that with Romeo and, Romeo and Juliet was one of my favorite songs. Okay, so, yeah. so on the record Berlin, there's a song called The Bed. So I was introduced to Lou through his agent because he liked my cover of Venus and Furs. And we sat down at a table in Little Italy, and he was very stoic. He didn't say much. He was kind of grumpy, just like you would expect, just like we've heard. And um, he wasn't really looking at me. He was kind of kind of cold. And then I just happened to say, you know, my favorite song is The Bed of Berlin. And he dropped his fork and he looked at me and he said, that is my favorite song I ever wrote. And somehow I said the right thing. And after dinner, I was invited to his house and we stayed up until six in the morning talking about stuff. Like I said the one thing that cracked him. And it was just by just by accident. But um, it was it was initially an uncomfortable meeting. And then after after that moment, we became friends until until his end. But getting to play with him is a lot like what you're talking about, being in something that or part of something that I grew up just absolutely fascinated by it. and it pretty much informed so many decisions that i've made artistically creatively musically and um 
and it, it, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a highlight of my life. Yeah. What a cool story, especially, especially the fact that you love Andy Warhol and that whole scene. I got like obsessed with Edie Sedgwick, you know, when I'm 13 years old, wanted to cut my hair off and do yeah. drugs and dye my hair white. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. That, but that whole scene was fascinating. And what I was saying about you though, is as great as that whole New York factory scene was and all that stuff that was going on back then there that's happening now too. You yeah. know, we have artists with mental illnesses who are making great shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like super great shit. That's mm. personal. That's right. And I think that, um, you know, I think that if most of the greats, I mean, like, you know, I, I always think about, you know, I always think about Van Gogh really, because I mean, you know, today he would have been 5150, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, since that didn't happen, we got some of the world's greatest work from him, you know? And, and uh, I think that some of the greatest art and music tends to come from individuals who have something deeper and more challenging going on inside. That's what makes them have to express it. And that's what makes it more authentic and resonate with people because on some sort of internal level, it really hits a chord that maybe a pop song about a girl in a car that's a hit for three months doesn't really stand the test of time. Do you know right. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I know uh, both my parents were artists. My dad was a musician and my mom was a visual artist and all of their, they both had traumatic childhoods. Yeah. Stuff that caused trauma in their lives. I mean, and as far as comedy goes, it's like, look at Richard Pryor. Yeah. Raised in a whorehouse, like, you know, totally abandoned. Same with Billie Holiday. And they were like, they're like some of the best artists of their time. Most, most comedians that I know are very, very dark people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you don't see them smile much when they're well, not. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, they get up on stage and they, and they, they, they show you things in a humorous way, but the truth is that they're speaking the truth. Right. And that's, you know, and that's, and that's why it resonates. And that's why it's so funny to people because in a weird way, the audience is going, Oh my God, it's laughter. It's a steam valve that's being released because they're going, Oh my God, I'm not the only one. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like when you see something awful in a movie and you're like, that's great because it's also happened to you. Oh, I mean, that's why that's why um, true crime documentaries have become like my my lullabies at night. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. You're you're speaking my language. And my husband calls it murder porn. Every time yeah. I walk in the room, I'm, I'm like watching crime scene photos. Or just, yeah. You know. yeah. 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 No yeah, like last night I was whisked to bed watching the murder tapes, which is all uh, police body cam footage of oh. actual crime scenes and the investigations that follow. And it's a lot like the first 48, but there's no recreations. You know what I mean? It's just like it's the raw material. So that's you, what I want to see. Wait, what's it called again? If you have Amazon, it's, it's on Amazon. It's called the murder tapes. The murder tapes. I, I, I think you that. I think you have six unwatched seasons ahead of you oh because you know as an addict you're, that's how i like it you're welcome thank you i cannot i can't wait to watch that 
Uh, you know Ouija? Are you familiar with that? The photographer uh, Ouija. I don't think so. For something, but he was in New York in the Bowery scene, like back in the 1940s. Okay. And he was on the crime scene before the cops even got there because he had a radio. On which crime scene? And oh, all of them. All, like, all of them. them. So there's just where he's got random. There's just books of random crime scenes that he's yeah. And also celebrities like at the Bowery Ballroom and whatever. Sure, sure, sure. I do. I do have a Joel Peter Whitkin downstairs, which I think that you would love to see. Oh my god, I would. Yeah. I would. But there's a million things there I would love to see. Yeah. I really appreciate like that your art is kind of doing the same thing like we were talking about with comedy and music is it's making it okay to have a messy brain. Well, we're saying that, that yes, it's okay to have a messy brain. We're saying that uh, you're not alone with a messy brain. Uh, one of my favorite pieces that we have is I'm sure you've heard the phrase live, laugh, love. Yeah. And so, you know, or happiness is a choice. And, you know, to someone who's suffering, they can't identify with that. Right. They, they that's alienating to them and sometimes it makes them feel less alone like you know everybody's going live laugh love and happiness is a choice and right. you do. Yeah. But, but there's an internal like a real mental health struggle that's going on so we have a diptych in the show so one panel says live laugh love the other panel says die cry hate because we're trying to say oh, i love it we're, we're just trying to say no 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 human life isn't just this panel human life is this panel and wherever you fall in that spectrum is totally okay. And you're not uh, ostracized for it by, by us and, and shouldn't be by the society. Exactly. Like nobody has to, it's like somebody said once telling somebody with depression to cheer up is like telling a quadriplegic to stand up. Yes. Get over yes. It. Go walk. Just get up. Go walk. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I suffer, I suffer from tremendous depression, you know, and, and you, you, one would look at my life and see, you know, some of the things that I've been able to accomplish in that life. And uh, I have been told by many, many, many people, what have you got to be depressed about? Uh, yeah, I love that. Because Do you know what, what I mean? Yeah, because they don't have the specific thing that you have that they think would make them happy. Well, and also, and also the thing is that happiness doesn't come through accomplishments or material gain or uh or any kind of success uh it has to come from within and when you have a chemical imbalance and you have something that's really going on within the brain chemistry uh that's causing your depression none of that stuff matters and that's why when when i get asked by um by young musicians for any advice i just say make sure you love what you do because there's no finish line like you're not going to get the gold record and then everything's going to be good you're not going to make the million dollars and everything's going to be good you're not going to get the grammy and then everything's going to be good you're not going to get any level of <clears throat> what you think is your goal <clears throat> and all of a sudden everything's fixed and it's happily ever after life still happens you know what i mean and i think that's why we lose a lot of really incredible artists after a certain amount of success because at some point they're going okay i've got everything i've ever wished for and i still feel like this right you know what i mean 
and then we we end up losing them. So I, that that I think that's a really important distinction. I'm really glad we touched upon. Yeah, I agree. My dad was the same way. I mean, he he passed away, but he loved he loved being a musician. And the Grammys didn't make him happy. He was a drug addict for a long time, but he got yeah. clean sober when I was like 11 years old, and he died happy. You know, surrounded by his horses. And, you know, the fact that he had created this life for all of us. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss. I lost my mom when I was 15, so I identify with it and I understand it. Um, I'm glad that he died happy. I'm happy yeah. for that. Me too. Yeah. I'm getting the one minute wrap up. So, I'm, oh, I've gotten it like a million times. Okay. <laughs> well, reach reach out to Josh and, and get my number and then and we can give you a little tour if you like. I totally would. I would love that. Okay. Anytime. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Dave Navarro for spending the time with us. I'll put a link to dual diagnosis in our show notes if you want to learn more about anything that they talked about. And uh, thanks again to uh, all of you for hanging in there with me on this one. I know I'm a rambling mess, but um, I want to thank everyone for the kind words. I've been paying attention to social media and her pages and the notes that uh, folks have sent to myself and Dana's family on Messenger. And um, I haven't been able to respond to everyone, but I've seen... I think I've seen most of them or all of them, and uh, I hope I, I hope to slowly uh, make my way to replying to, to everybody. If you want to send any questions or comments about this episode or just want to share your love for Dana Keys, uh, you can email me at radio rehab at go to productions.com. That's radio rehab at go dash to productions.com or you can text or leave a voicemail uh, at 415-496-9511 I'm thinking I may end up using some of it for her tribute episode that I had mentioned earlier uh, we also started a Dana Keys Memorial Fund on GoFundMe at Dana's family request in lieu of flowers they asked that you consider donating to the fund. It will go directly towards raising awareness on addiction and mental health. Uh, I'll also put a link in the show notes uh, for that as well. And with that, that's all for now. On behalf of Dana's family and myself, uh, thank you so much for your support of Radio Rehab over the years uh, in the roller coaster of Dana's life. I know that this show was a constant joy and passion for her. This was never a chore for her. She loved doing the podcast and the reception that we got from, from our listening community and just everybody in general was a big part of uh, what kept us going for the seven years that we did together. So yeah, thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves and be sure to check in on your people and uh, love them out loud. I'll check in with you soon. <laughs>